Everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm on your side, Mike. I think we should do the clap, too. This is Matt with a Mensch, a podcast where we allegedly review beer. Um, we've been having some audio trouble lately, but uh, hopefully this time we're going to be back in business. So... I don't trust this. My episode is going to get lost. I don't know how many episodes are going to get lost. We're going to have many, many lost episodes. We're going to have more lost episodes than the, uh, like, fucking Warner Brothers archives. That's the <laughs> lost episodes we're going to have. But I'm Nathan. Uh, I'm Elliot. I'm Mike. I'm Abigail. And I'm Cass. And this week... Out of order. It doesn't matter. There's, there's, there's <laughs> a, only a loose order. But this week we're reviewing Smirnoff Ice. Um, various flavors, and if for some reason you did hear the last episode, which is a lost episode, <laughs> before this episode, you might be confused, because I ended that episode of everybody freaking out over us drinking 40s. Well, some things came up, and we decided that it was better this week if we all just drank the ice. We got iced. The universe iced us, specifically me. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah, so somebody explain the icing. Okay, so if you're not in the know, um, getting iced is basically a, uh, an old college trick involving Smirnoff ice, where you put Smirnoff ice in an unexpected location, right? And the first person who ends up finding that Smirnoff ice has to chug it on the spot. Oh. So you put the Smirnoff ice in, like, a drawer, or you'd put it... I don't know, like somewhere where somebody isn't going to notice it, but the first person who does see it has to chug it. That's getting iced. Oh, interesting. That um, sounds hilarious. I would do that, yeah. except I live by myself, so I would just be icing myself. <laughs> you should just get drunk and hide ices all around your house. Ooh, where you don't, and then not remember where you put them. And then you just get like, black. Drunk cast, you iced me. <laughs> I, I really love that idea of, like, just getting blackout, putting, like, ices in a whole bunch of locations around the house, and then we wake up the next day, despite the fact that you're hungover, you're, you've just laid all these traps for yourself. You yeah, are we going to drink this uh, definitely um, not cum water? Whoa, 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 hold on, hold cum on. Cum water? It, it has, like, it's, like, white and, like, cloudy. It looks like cum water. It I, looks uh, like lemonade, you wait, weirdo. Wait, wait, I thought that you got the red, white, and berry. The red, white, and berry looks like Windex. Well, I thought that, like... No, no, no the, the red, white, and berry is in the pack with the lemon-lime, so we have both. Yeah. I'm just saying, if your cum water looks like Windex, you got an issue. Well, I've never had, like, the original Smirnoff ice, so I thought that every that's what everyone was going to get, but apparently not. I got original. Well, I got red, white, and berry. I got grape. Okay, well, I guess we'll drink this. Right. Um, okay. So if everybody's ready, I'll count down and then we'll drink. So uh, three, two, one. It's oh real good. Wow, that is a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> right? It is just a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> it is I've just Jolly a, Rancher water. I've had yeah, I can imagine. I've had Smirnoff ice before, but it was like the black raspberry kind or something. So there wasn't Good really Lord. a Jolly Rancher equivalent, but this is literally just a grape Jolly Rancher. I, I just want to say that the red, white, and berry Smirnoff ice 
tastes exactly like Mountain Dew Dew SA. And you know how I know that? I have a can of Mountain Dew Dew SA right now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I got some Dew SA because it's, it's back. It's returned. So I got that before I even knew that we were doing Smirnoff Ice. And then when I looked at the Smirnoff Ice and I, I drank some because, you know, I had, I had today off. So I decided to ice myself a little bit earlier today. I was like, <laughs> fuck, this just tastes like, re- this tastes like Dew SA. And I'm looking at the fucking flavor profile of both. And, you know, blue raspberry, cherry, and citrus is literally code red, whiteout, and voltage, which is what USA is. Yeah. Oh my god. Hell yes. That's incredible. Damn. So you know, all the fucking high schoolers out there who are like us, who you know just crave the you know uh, limited edition Mountain Dew flavors, they're being prepped. To drink massive amounts of Smirnoff ice with Mountain Dew USA. You know, honestly, I'm surprised that, like, this doesn't have the same controversy over it that, like, Four Loco or something does. Because this shit is literally just, like, sh- sugar soda, but alcoholic. Oh, wow. It's really dangerous. It's the, uh, the Mountain Dew to Smirnoff ice pipeline that really snags a lot of those youngins. Well, the Four Loco thing was because of all the caffeine, right? I don't think yeah, this has caffeine. Yeah, mm, that too. It- Basically, like, you couldn't black. You couldn't like pass out because you drank too much because there was so much caffeine. So you could just keep drinking and then give yourself alcohol poisoning. Yeah, the thing about Smirnoff Ice is that it doesn't have any caffeine and it only has four point five percent. That being that makes said, sense. it is incredibly drinkable. Like in I sh- less, I, I I I'm just saying, I drank three in less than thirty minutes earlier today. <laughs> like, it just goes down. Yeah. So uh, I got the pint. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, it was a it's the only one that I could find at the gas station, but it's oh. like a big old bottle. Amazing. Wow. Okay, before we talk about the uh the drink too much though, we do oh, have sure, sure. some uh, some some big topics on the docket today. Um so I don't know what we want to start with. Do if we want to do uh Amazon Prime's new hit animated series, or if we want to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn first. Uh, but, um, you know, I want to give the mic to Mike because... The <laughs> mic to Mike? Yeah, <laughs> I, because every time he gets the mic, it fucks up. So hopefully today... Like, yeah, <laughs> like literally is, every time that I, like, start with a segment, I, it just, like, this, completely this, fucks up the audio. This is the episode. This is the fucking episode. Okay, so, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mike wants to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. Let's do it. Okay. What's so, Horizon Zero Dawn? Horizon Zero Dawn is a game made by somebody. Uh, um, it, you fight robot dinosaurs. Yeah. Ooh, so yeah. it's um, basically Horizon Zero Dawn is an open world game. Uh, as I mentioned in our Lost Spider-Man episode, I talked about how I got a PS5. Um, and just through coincidence, the three big games that I've like played back to back to back uh, since I've gotten it, have all been open world games. I got interesting Spider-Man because I really wanted to play it. Uh, Infamous Second Son because I yeah. really like the first two Infamous games. Um, and Horizon Zero Dawn because it was actually free as just like a one of Sony's play from home offerings. It's like you could just download the whole game for free uh, in a uh, window of time that is now exceeded. Oh, sick. So it just it was like pure coincidence that I was just like I'm just all the games that I'm playing right now are open world games and it, it just made me think about 
kind of the design ideas that go behind those kind of games because they're very popular. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, everybody these days is trying to be a fucking open world game, which I have some thoughts on. But yeah, it's um, bad. Stop yeah. doing that. Please stop doing that. To all Y'all the don't game like de- the um, to all the game like. developers listening right now, stop doing that. Stop making your games open world games if they don't need to be open world games or they're not like specifically designed around being open world games. It's not just something that you fucking slap on. Please. Yeah, here's my like eventually I came to my general conclusion was that the thing that makes these kind of games interesting is like one of two things at its like base level. It's like for me uh, how fun it is to get around the environment and how like compelling and interesting that environment is. Mm-hmm. So with yeah. like Spider-Man, you had like the aspects, both aspects where it's like, it's really fun to just swing around New York city. And it's really awesome to just be Spider-Man in a comic book style, New York. So it's like the environment and just the general feel of the world is really compelling. And the web swinging is awesome. Where with Infamous, it was, like, the main movement abilities that you get throughout the game are really awesome. Just, like, flying all around the city with, like, different cool powers and then switching around between them through at, a, like, a moment's notice. That was, like, a really compelling part of the game, but I felt like a lot of the other aspects of it were kind of lackluster. Because that one's set in, like, Seattle. Huh. Which is, like... Ah, uh, yes. Wow. Super interesting place to set your game, guys. Well, you got the Space Needle. Yeah, they, they blow their load on that in, like, the second mission. Oh, good. Uh, with with res- respects to Seattle. You Shout know, out to Seattle. So many of my fucking friends are from <laughs> Seattle or live in Seattle currently. I'm gonna... No respect oh, to yeah. Seattle. I take nothing back. Actually, I, I, I'll I shout out to Seattle because they have a statue of Vladimir Lenin in the city. All right, I take it back. Seattle's okay. I'm just saying that the, the environment that they put you in isn't as compelling as what I would expect from, like, a super... In, uh, a, uh, a video, a. I guess. Sure. Um... And this all kind of came to a head when I was playing through Horizon Zero Dawn, was like the third game that I played in this. And I had a specific experience with this game that just really made me not want to play it anymore. Through no hot takes. Through no fault of its own, honestly. Because the game's not bad, I guess, but it was it was I was just very frustrated by by it once I got to a point. So, I always love the moment where you realize I don't want to fucking do this anymore. So <laughs> please tell us what that take was for this game. So the the whole thing with Horizon Zero Dawn is that it's set in like the post post apocalypse where it's like everyone has complete. It's like after everybody giant, returned to monkey. It's, it's set in like a world where it's like people develop to the point where they have like futuristic technologies, but then some kind of weird apocalypse happened and now everyone is back into like basically tribal stone uh, age stone age style like monkey setup no uh, i don't i think stone age is a bit after monkey. monkey i don't know about stone age they have some like smaller cities i i don't i don't know where do we define stone age as maybe not yeah um I think but, like, like the bronze whole... age <sighs> yeah sure 
like the most advanced bronze age the most advanced weapon it is like a bow and arrow is what i'm getting at um but the whole thing about it is that even though that you're in this like super primitive setting there are these giant animal sometimes dinosaur robots just wandering around and the whole game is built around like why are these robots still here what are they doing where are they coming from and it's like it's where the second aspect is really compelling where it's like the world that you're inhabiting and you're exploring is so interesting but the way you get around it is just basically walking or the the thing that really stuck with me with it was that there gets to a point in the game where you get out of the tutorial area and you fight this giant monster that is able to corrupt or this giant robot that is able to corrupt the other robots and like make them slaves to it and it's like a weird robot where it's like it's not shaped like an animal or anything it's clearly just like an old weapon and after you defeat it you get this thing that allows you to take control of the animals. Okay. So I think I see where this is going, but I know that you're going to bait and switch me, and that's actually not where this is going. Well, the well, it's like once you, re- you get this thing, it tells you to like go find the, the horse animal robots that you've been like f- killing all around the, the area at the beginning. And you're able mm-hmm. to ride one of them like a horse. Oh, you are. Yeah, you're I thought to, like, the bait. I thought the bait and switch was that it doesn't even let you ride them. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> as soon as you realize this, you're like, "Oh man, this game is going to be freaking awesome!" Because I've seen the trailers. There are tons and tons. There's an entire bestiary of robot animals in this game. There's crocodiles. To, yeah, there are. Cro- if you're able to ride all of these things, this game is oh. just going to be so awesome. Oh. And yeah. then when you get to into the game. The game is like, well, you can't you can't ride all of the robot animals, and you're like, okay, can I can I ride the bird and like fly around and like view everything from like a bird's eye view? It's like, no. Can I can I ride on the alligator and can I get I like swim through the water with him? It's like, no. Can I can it's... I ride any of the various quadrupedal creatures in this game? It's like, no. Is it literally so just you the horse? You're you're able to ride the horses, and you're able to ride. Three of, like, literally exactly the same horse-type animals, but with different horns. Mm, very I think, interesting. I think one of them's, like, oh, a deer God. or something. And it is mm. so fucking lame! Wow. <laughs> I'd stop yeah. playing, too. That's yeah. just such terrible design. I mean, how can you look at... Well, it's like, I under I understand that, like, there's probably a lot of assets and time that would have to go into making like all of the robots playable, but don't put me in a game where there are giant robots and say that I can ride them and then be like, actually, you can only ride some of them. (laughs) You can only ride three (laughs) of them that are basically exactly the same and just horses. If, if we use like GTA as the gold standard of like an open world game, I mean, not the gold standard, but like the baseline, a really good baseline for here's an open world game, here are your movement options for getting around that open world game. In GTA, you can steal a boat, 
fucking go on the boat. You can fly in a helicopter. You can steal a plane, right? Like, you have those options to explore this big world. So I feel like if you're developing an open-world game, and you actually fucking mean it, it should be a no-brainer that, okay, maybe not every robot animal is rideable because of, you know, time constraints and how many animals are in the game, but you should probably have an aerial option, and you should probably have a water option, too. So, yeah, yeah that's that's my general uh, rant about this. And, um... What? What? What if, like... Would you continue to have played the game if they hadn't given you that option in the first place and instead given you, like, a car or something to drive around in? <laughs> a car? <laughs> I mean, I guess it, it it just feels like such a letdown to, like, just be like, here's a horse. You could have just given me a horse and I wouldn't have had this whole thing about, like, I can override them. And you can override the other animals, but you can't, like, do anything cool with them. They just start fighting the other robot animals in the area for you. And it's like, I don't want to just watch a robot alligator fight another robot alligator. I want to ride on top of the robot alligator. And so, then fight fair, the other robot alligator. I would watch I, I would watch robot animals fight each other, to be fair. I just wouldn't do it over and over again in this time span of however many hours that game is. I mean, I think there's something to be said, like... Like, yeah, it's cool, but it's, like, it completely removes you from the combat, basically. Right. Because there's right. no point in, like, getting into this giant fight when there's, like, a bunch of AoE attacks happening. And I, I think the other, other thing is, like, there's a lot of open-world games that you can ride a horse, but they have other options. Like, you can do so much stuff in Breath of the Wild. I was about to bring up Breath of the Wild and all the different like, things. Like your you can basic ride thing is a horse, but you can do crazy shit in that game. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe that's an unfair comparison. Maybe it would be something more like Red Dead Redemption. I don't fucking know anything about that game. Maybe you get a car. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you get a Lambo in Red Dead Redemption. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, it's like also this to bring up Breath of the Wild. This is another thing that I just like. I feel like that is like become the gold standard for open world game design. Yes. And I think what sets Breath of the Wild apart from a lot of these games is that it's very detailed. But like the thing I love about Breath of the Wild is that if you see a mountain in the distance, you can point at it, put a marker, and then you can just climb that mountain. In like Horizon Zero Dawn, you can only climb in like the designated climbing areas. Right. And Otherwise, you're just kind of, like, jumping up against, trying to Skyrim horse your way up a wall. Oh, yeah. And I love how you bring up Skyrim horsing your way up the wall, because <laughs> if we remember when Skyrim was first being previewed to us, Todd Howard famously said, You see that mountain in the distance? That's climbable. You can climb that. It's not. <laughs> With a horse, maybe. <laughs> With a horse, yeah. He's just, He's talking to the horses. Honestly, um, I think we should give a lot of credit, like, a lot of props to the Skyrim horses for all the work they put in to climb whatever the fuck we've put them on over defy the past gravity. ten years. I'm sure they have trail names that are Mountain Goat. I don't know. This is also kind of relevant because Sony just released, like, some gameplay footage of Horizon 2. And guess what? There are giant velociraptors that you can ride in that game, supposedly. Suppose and I can't Allegedly. Wait. 
And and guess what? Like, there are also giant robot elephants, and the bad guys can ride the giant robot elephants. Damn, just like uh, Lord of the Rings. So I'm going to be uh, real disappointed if I cannot also ride the giant robot elephants. Yeah, do you think they're going to learn from their mistakes? Oh, s- Absolutely of, not. Speaking of Breath of the Wild, uh, she also has a hang glider. Oh, yeah, it is Breath of the Wild. Um, <laughs> make Gators Rideable 2021. Yeah, Sony, the incredibly influential podcast, Mao was a mensch, was, is uh, throwing her away behind us. Make Gators Rideable. If you need any tips on how to ride a gator, just come to me. It's uh, Gorilla Games, by the way. Gorilla Games. Yeah. Monkey! Mm. <laughs> wrong gorilla. Wrong gorilla. I'm so sorry, but wrong gorilla. <laughs> Imagine if being called Gorilla Games and not even having a rideable gorilla in your games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Sony, I just want to say, um, and I don't know why this is the thought that comes to my mind, Uh-oh. but um, whenever we're talking about Smirnoff Ice, the first thing that pops into my head is this like five-second cutscene from Knack 2, where Knack gets the ice power and he just says, Ice is nice, and I don't know why, but I think about that every time I'm drinking Smirnoff Ice. Nathan, have you played Knack 2? I've watched Donkey play it. Alright, that's fair. It is a Knack-to-piece, after all. It's a Knack-to-piece. Also, before we segue into uh, Invincible, there was just one thing, other thing I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. See. There's this new movie called uh, Cruella that just came out. Oh. Oh, God. I've heard. Great. Okay, so don't spoil it for anyone who don't doesn't know this, but uh, I guess spoilers for Cruella. I just wanted to pose this question to the podcast. It's like, if you could think of a way that you would justifiably make her not like uh dalmatians like for a re think of uh, being the most hackneyed screenwriter you can imagine think of a way that you can make cruella sympathetic for a reason why she actively hates dalmatians what what would you make it she got attacked by a dalmatian as a kid or something i don't know yeah like a dalmatian ate her favorite parakeet Think even more hackney. Her her parents were shot in a dark alley by a dummy. <laughs> Not that far off. <laughs> yeah, that's frightening. Were that's her parents I, killed by Dalmatians? Her mother her mother gets murdered by Dalmatians, and that's the reason why she hates Dalmatians in the movie. Wow. Wow. <laughs> they literally chase her off of a cliff and she falls to her death. Wow. Wow. Fuck those Dalmatians. <laughs> Hey, this is a pro all dogs podcast. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I never actually like watched or listened to or read I've, 101 I've, Dalmatians. I've actually never seen 101 Dalmatians either. You are not missing much, buddy. I what what even is the plot good. other than that there's a lady that hates Dalmatians? Well, she's a cruel capitalist who just wants material goods, and therefore she's trying to ruthlessly mur- murder 1,001 puppies, which... 1,001? Sorry, 101, but I think it's actually 99 puppies and two adult dogs, and she's just trying to murder them all because she's a cruel capitalist who thinks she deserves to murder puppies. And really, like, is there a better message for the modern era? Did the Do you think that the owners ever thought about getting those Dalmatians neutered? 
because you know that's a lot of puppies. <laughs> I think it's more supposed to be like ah, oh, she's like a, a a single woman in like this, uh, in like modern times, and she's trying to take away their surrogate children of this very loving fucking normal family with a hundred fucking dogs. I don't think they're you actually all their years. dogs at the start. Like, I think that they take dogs from her puppy mill. Like, she has oh. a whole-ass puppy mill. It's, like, several families of puppies, and she's collecting all these puppies to skin to make herself a coat because she's an evil capitalist. And that's the only thing that I will accept. That's the only interpretation I will accept on 101 Dalmatians. I don't know if you guys have lesser opinions, but I'm sorry what? if you do. Is that, like, not the correct interpretation of what I happened? I thought that is the correct interpretation, yeah. It sounds about, I mean, again, never seen it, but that sounds right. I always thought that it was supposed to be, like, ooh, scary single woman trying to tear apart American family values. I think it can be both. Yeah. I mean, it's Disney, so, like... I, I, well, I'm, more in, I'm more inclined to believe the, uh, the new single women are scary as opposed to capitalism good um uh right um so because so, alright invincible oh no 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 go ahead go no. ahead I didn't mean to cut yeah you go on I want to hear this well, I, I was just reminded by that fucking political cartoon that was like circling like forever ago which, which that one? was like leftist Div Disney World or something? Oh, yeah, uh, the Ben Garrison one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't remember it well enough to actually talk about it. I just know that it's a Ben Garrison cartoon, so I can see it in my head. I can see how everything in the cartoon is labeled. Um, but, uh, I don't remember any of the substance. <laughs> well, my my main thing was, like, one of the rides in the background was, like, the socialism go-round. And I was like, yes, Disney, the fucking multi-million dollar corporation, is really promoting socialism out here. Absolutely. That's yeah, what I do as a multi-million dollar corporation every day. <laughs> well, you are a person. <laughs> Yeah, just like Disney. Yeah, just like all corporations. So, anyways, uh, there's a new Amazon Hitch series. Wait, um, wait, wait, pause. Um, I want to get another experience off. I'm going to get several okay. more spin <laughs> so I will just be right back. So, Nathan, have you gotten into, into have you beaten a full run of Binding, the, Binding of Isaac Repentance yet? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I think I'm about to. I'm on a pretty wild fucking tear right now. Well, where? I mean, I guess I don't know if you want to spoil it. Are you? Are you? Uh, did you make it to the bottom? Wait, I, I, I actually have no spoilers for Binding of Isaac. I have no idea if you're trying to reference the run I did like yesterday, or if you're trying to like, I don't know what you're referencing right now. All right, in that case, you know, there's. There's some more content after I, I, I Oh oh all of the new content. Um no, I haven't. I haven't done a full run, I haven't gotten to the end, I haven't fought Delirium or the Beast. I mean that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But I do know what that content is now, and I have to say I'm really fucking disappointed. 
but I don't want to take away from Invincible. Okay, yeah, I'm back. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to Mal was a Mesh. Um, Real episode thank starts you. now. I'm kidding, sorry. Go on. Wow. You know, we could, we could have been up. talking about scrambled eggs, honestly. We could have been. <laughs> As I think I mentioned before Elliot left, uh, there's a new Amazon series uh, called Invincible. Um, it is uh, based off of the Image Comics comic series, Invincible. Um, and I have not watched it, but I did read it um, up until the point where it is in the show. So that way I could talk with everybody today about, you know, the stuff that happens in there. But uh, Abby's really been jonesing to talk about Invincible. So I think Abby should take it away. Uh, wow, that puts me on the spot. I usually like letting other people get their thoughts out first. Does anyone else have any deep thoughts? Well, this is specifically related to the comic. Um, and I just comparing it to the clips that I've seen of the show, I don't think the comics art's very good. Oh. Um, sorry to whoever yeah. the artist is, but I think that, like, I, it's very, very stiff. It's very, very stiff. Um, who am I to talk? I know because I'm not like you know a fucking penciler or any of that myself. But uh, um, it's Robert Kirkman. Sorry, Robert. Um, I just I just think it's kind of stiff. I hope he doesn't follow your dad. I don't think he does. I don't think my dad has. Yeah, a I hope lot. you're not about to get blacklisted I, for that. I don't think my dad has a lot of connections with Image. I agree with you though. I thought I think I overall enjoyed the show more than the comic. Um, I, I'll save, like, my, like, comparison of the show and the comic until somebody else talks about the show and we get into the show a little bit. <laughs> right. I feel like it would be weird to compare them right now. Uh, I guess I'll get into it then. I, I watched the show, I think, before most anyone? Because I watched it before Abby, because Abby asked me if I wanted to watch it with her, and I was like, I've already watched, like, literally the entire season. And you didn't <laughs> ask me to watch it with you, which I was really insulted by. <laughs> Um, and my major takeaway from it was that it was pretty good. Uh, it subverts a lot of things that you, if you're, if you're like knowledgeable about comics, you kind of see a lot of the inspirations and places where it's like, oh yeah, that reminds me of another thing that I've seen in comics. I love the Rorschach guy. Oh, the oh, fucking yeah. demon guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, shout outs to Mr. Krabs. It's, uh, very... Very much built on that, uh, what's his name? Peter Campbell shit, where it's like the modern mythology. Mm -hmm. And it's playing off the modern mythology and reworking it in new ways. Is it? What the hell is the modern mythology? I th are you talking about Joseph Campbell? Joseph the Campbell, hero that guy. The thousand faces? Because I yeah. don't necessarily oh, okay. agree with yes. that, but okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said. I mean, I know Joseph Campbell's work has a lot of problems, but I think there is something to be said about, like, sort of having it as, like, a modern mythology and common language where, like, you know what the tropes are calling back to, and then that provides a baseline understanding for how it's going to subvert them. Because, like, I think if you had the show in a vacuum without any of the surrounding context, I, I think it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. I think if you took... I mean, I think if you had the show in a vacuum without the context, um without like the superhero context then no it wouldn't make a lot of sense but i i don't know that it plays into um joseph campbell's shit um like outside of just 
there being, being a superhero story. Yeah. Well, Joseph Campbell, I, I was just specifically referencing there's a Joseph Campbell line about how superheroes are like a modern mythology to be read and reused and shaped and formed over and over in the oh, modern so, conscious. So you don't literally mean the yeah. hero's journey. Okay. No, it was yeah. it was an offhanded Joseph Campbell comment. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah, no, I feel that. I, um, I don't, the hero's journey is dumb. I don't pay attention to that. Uh, my, uh, my, my kind of thoughts, I was, I was really like, one of the reasons why I didn't watch it was because, you know, I know that everybody was saying it's really good, but like, I was just like, uh, I don't really feel like dealing with this. Like, especially knowing the twists going into it. Spoilers, by the way. I was like, oh boy, it's just another comic where it's just fucking Superman, but he's evil. Okay. And you know what? Like, first of all, I think Omni Man's costume design is baller, and I love the fact that he has a mustache. A lot of the costume um, designs are baller. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. A lot of the costume designs are very baller. Um, but uh, you know, I I liked it. I thought it was good. I I I, I thought the twist was actually well set up, but like I don't know, like it didn't like really grab me. I, I don't even think it really deconstructed that much. Like, to me, it was just, here we go again, evil fucking Superman. I think well, the most interesting thing is probably what Abby's going to talk about with relation to the quote-unquote benevolent empire and what that means for subjugated peoples. But, like, just, you know, taking the story at that face value, That's that was my takeaway. And this is just from the comic. Yeah, um... I, I was actually surprised um, by how, like, very standard superhero fare it kind of is. Um, yes. Yeah. Beyond, like, I, beyond the, um, oh, Superman but evil. And I, I love the show. Like, just to be clear, I love the show. And I don't think this is, like... I don't consider this as, like, being, like, points against it because I think that there is something to be said for just having, you know, a fucking superhero show. Like, there's value in that, especially with what Abby's going to talk about, which I will not steal from her. Um, But, yeah, like, I I went into it kind of expecting it to, like, actually deconstruct more about the superhero genre. And but it, it it really just it really doesn't it really just plays it straight. Yeah, that that was probably the most shocking thing for me too. Like well, the fact that a lot of I'm sorry, Mike. I'll not to interrupt you. Just that I, I'm gonna stop here. Just saying that I felt like a lot of it, especially in the build up to the twist, was superheroes, and superheroes are fun. So you know that's okay. So if I like what I've been, kind of been articulating. Uh, the thing I like about the show is that it has a very, like, Hobbit kind of feel where it tries to, like, deconstruct the idea of, like, going on an adventure or becoming a superhero. But once you get, actually get into it, you realize and see all of the, like, really messy stuff that actually goes into this. Specifically in Invincible, it really gets into, like, how much effort... A superhero would ha- or a team of superheroes even would have to put into like actually protecting people on these like grand scale attacks basically and how many people die in the cost of- yeah 
Yeah, there's a lot of blood and people getting just like killed. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that like made it really compelling at the beginning because like once he like started to get into it, it was like, holy shit! If I don't like put so much effort into protecting people and making sure that they're okay, they will just die within a snap of fingers. And that doesn't, like, completely stop throughout the series, which is what I like, because it kind of... it. But it, the thing that I like it more is that it takes that, it acknowledges it, but there are still heroes in the story. Like, there are still characters that, like, fight these, like, uh, really cataclysmic-looking threats, try to save people and do their best and ultimately kind of come out on top of it. And, I don't know, I like it when stories still kind of do that, because I like having, like, the hope. <laughs> I like it when things like Jen try to lean towards, like, a more positive uh, ending. Hope is for losers. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like, how much this was done in the show, but when it came to, like, the stretch of the comic that I read, um, don't get me wrong, I thought that the final fight between, um, you know, Ultraman and Invincible, or not Omni-Man, Omni-Man and Invincible. Ultraman. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where my mind's at. Probably in these Smirnoff bottles. Um, <laughs> between Omni-Man and Invincible, I thought that was, of course, really good, but I think my favorite part overall was actually that first segment before you even have an inkling I don't know how fast it comes in the show, but you know, you have like five, six issues where you don't know that there's anything going on with Omni-Man. He's just a dude, right? Mm -hmm. And I really like those first couple of issues because like it has this really, really funny balance between with the family where, you know, the mom is just like, you know, the, it's these cataclysmic events, all of this shit, him being gone for, like, eight months at a time, this is par, par for the course. I really, really like that juxtaposition. I thought it was really funny and well done in the comic, and that was probably my favorite part. Um, and, of course, like, once you find out that Omni-Man is, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, warmonger bent on taking over the the planet you know of course the story you know diverts all of its attention to that yeah they, they kind of do that the thing that happens in like the series is that it's like the first episode is played completely straight and then you get to like what should be the ending quote unquote and then there's an extra like five minutes where he omni-man just murders the entire pseudo justice league and yeah. then and then you're like why did he do this for a lot of the rest of the series yeah, that scene was like super drawn out, and in the in the comics, comics it, it's it's like four panels, super fast. It's four yeah. panels, and that's it. Like it, it, and it's at the very end of of that issue that it happens in, and you don't even like see a fight scene. Like I saw the fight scene on YouTube, and I was like, wow, they put a lot into this. It's really cool on YouTube, but in the comic, it's just like four quick panels of like each of the you know Justice League, you know counterparts like all dying. And then uh, Immortal at the end be like, what the fuck? Why did you do this? And then you see Omni-Man like rip off his head. Well, I, I think it works. Sounds like some Chainsaw Man shit. It works really well in the show because it you go through like the entire first episode thinking that it's going to be like a perfectly normal show. And then it just hard turns into like this super yeah. gruesome fight scene. Yeah. I, I want to make a confession here. So when I was watching this show, 
I didn't realize these after credit scenes like happened. So I watched the end of the first episode and skipped to the next <laughs> episode. And I was like, Oh my all god! Of these, the the global defenders are all dead, and I was like, Oh shit! That's that's a crazy plot point. I wonder who did that's that. That's crazy to happen <laughs> just randomly like, off screen. <laughs> It kept like alluding that it might have been Omni Man, and I was like, "Well, that's interesting. Like, I guess I want to know more." And then later on, I figured out there were after credit scenes. So I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh, <laughs> so I went back. You and just like, did. Oh, you just completely God. missed the entire like next like extra twenty minutes at the end of the first episode. Yeah, I didn't notice. I mean, when I see credits, I usually assume that the sh- the episode's over. Um, so Abby, is this, is this good groundwork for your points? This is great groundwork. So I guess to recap what everyone's saying, what the series is about, um, it's about, shit, what's the kid's name? It's about Invincible. Mark. 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 Mark, a young superhero, and his father is pseudo-Superman from space, the greatest hero on Earth, called Omni-Man. At the end of the first episode, or at the end of the first, like, five or six issues, it sounds like... Omni-Man murders the Justice League. It's I think they're called the Guardians of the Globe. But they're Omni-Man, the Justice League. Yeah. 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 It's we can just call them the Justice League. But Omni-Man murders all of them. And there's kind of a lull where it's going through, like, Mark learning how to be a superhero and finding out how much destruction he can't prevent and how that's just always going to be part of the job. Um, until you get to the end where Omni-Man comes out that he's not a benevolent superhero from space who is sent to help earth he's been sent as a conqueror and he had a, he was waiting for mark to grow up in order to have someone be his right hand when he takes this planet and presents it to his empire so the whole time i was watching this the thing that immediately came to my mind is a speech by ivan illich who was a uh I believe bishop or priest in the catholic church and he was from eastern europe but he was stationed in mexico at the time of the speech and so he got invited to it's the conference of inter-american student Proce- projects stuff like peace corps things like that that are going on throughout latin america he got invited to make a speech uh because he was you know the the counterpoint to whatever to all the like, oh, we're gonna go help people stuff. And so the speech is called, is been titled since, To Hell With Good Intentions. And it's basically about how missionaries and these, vo- these volunteer, he even calls them volunteer armies, are not actually going places to help people. They're going to spread American propaganda and to convince American and Western and to convince our citizens that what they're doing is right and to give them something to help Um, and give them these experiences. They're not actually for the benefit of the people going abroad. And it's very much part of imperialism. And I mean, you know, you know, we think a lot about that now with people going abroad and taking Instagram pictures and all that. But his arguments really doesn't matter really what you go abroad to do it's all exploitive like you're not helping anyone and you know just on that topic there's a ton to be said that like you know i in his paper he cites that it's like ten thousand dollars to train a peace corps member 
and this is in 1968, $10,000, that's 30, 40,000 a day. And how much better that money could have been spent just by sending it to someone in Mexico. Um, and so it's kind of this thing, and there's plenty of other stuff where, like, you know, churches go on mission projects to help build a church, but, like, why? <laughs> they could pay people in the village to build the church and create jobs and provide more money to the village, but instead they're paying to fly themselves down there, and it's ultimately an exploitative thing. So I think the show really touches a lot on that, where there's so many characters that have kind of this white savior complex where they're going abroad to helping people, they're going to be individual savior, saviors, and it just can't work. Like, Invincible quickly learns people are going to die. He can't really do it. The superheroes aren't actually these single saviors. They're people doing their best, and maybe there's an argument that a lot of the things that they're fighting, which is kind of made in the series, are things that they themselves have made. Like, there's an entire section dedicated to... Um, a battle with a slumlord and the arguments that the heroes have really ignored this poverty and they've allowed this to thrive and so that they're not really fighting the root causes and if anything they are making these things themselves by being so dedicated to protecting like white suburban America or the upper class and then I think what really goes mask off with Omni-Man where he comes and he poses as you know a missionary or a member of the Galactic Peace Corps or something and at the end of the day, he, he goes mask off completely in that he's a conqueror. And I think there's a lot to be said with, like, the Peace Corps is not about helping people, really. You're not helping people. You're going to people that you can't understand and can't talk to to help yourselves and to really s try to spread American ideology. Like, because, again, it costs so much more to send you over than it would to just... You could just give that money to people. <laughs> but that wouldn't be as beneficial because then they would be doing what they want with it. And so I think there's a lot with that. And then there's a lot of other things like, you know, there's the hero Adam Eve, which I'm hoping they touch more on the second season, who has this, like, huge white savior pros uh, complex. And at the end, she just starts, like, reading news articles and going out to fix things which is fine and all i guess but like she's possibly majorly modifying ecosystems <laughs> like i don't know if this gets touched on the comic but it seems really shallow and potentially bad that she's like going out and making all these executive decisions rather than like following the lead of people of people in the area like if you really want to help someone don't tell them what to do like give them resources, follow their lead. And so I thought that was really interesting to see in a superhero show, especially like to have Omni-Man be like full on mask off that the people who go abroad to help aren't superheroes. They're active members of Conquest. Yeah. I don't know how I said that. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, based on, what you had said about it before when we were talking, um, you brought this up. Um, and I was kind of expecting it to go a little harder in on that. Um, Absolutely. I can agree with that. And, I think it should have gone in harder, but I thought it was just so interesting to view through that lens. Yeah. And like, I, I, like I, I, I can see where they could go with it. And I haven't read the comics, so I don't know if they do. 
but I'm I was like waiting for like the entire eight episodes. Like I was just like waiting for them to talk about like how what um, Eve is doing is stupid and misguided. They they haven't touched on it at least not yet. Yeah. yeah. And I, I am, of course, like, not up to date. I read up until where the show is, but mm-hmm. they haven't touched on it in the comic either. Yeah, they kind of do some stuff out of order. So yeah. Eve hasn't gone to Africa or wherever. Right, right. At this point. Yeah, so I, I, I'm i hoping they touch more on Eve, because Eve really is the classic white savior character, and there's even, like, a scene of her working in a soup kitchen trying to help people, um, because she had, like, gone abroad to... S- do stuff and she had done all this superhero stuff and she finally came to the realization that she wasn't actually helping people and that it was all like kind of fake shit for propaganda but it's like not clear that she came to the next step which is that you need to follow the lead of people and give them the help they ask for and if they don't ask for help you need to keep your fucking nose out of it yeah i also um i do think something is kind of lost um, well, I don't think, hold on, I don't think when, that's fair with the soup kitchen thing, because that's just her helping out another friend who works at the soup kitchen, and she's not even in uniform. Yeah, but like, it's like this major, it's... Photo op. No, You're right, not but it's this major, like, the... moment for her. Yeah. And uh, even then, that friend who is, like, not white, <laughs> talks about her, like, mission trip to the Philippines and everything, which I think really kind of highlights how... The benevolent empire, although it's definitely white-centric and ultimately serves white interests, can absolutely wrap anyone up in its ideology and send them forth as its soldiers. Um, yeah, but um, what I was saying, I think it does kind of lose something um, when the backdrop is like, you know, like, oh, fucking kaiju attacking Japan, and, um, you know, like, all this big world affecting shit um or potentially world affecting it's apparently pretty status quo here um (laughs) but i think it it does kind of like lose something about like oh well you're not paying attention to like the little people or like the small effects of your actions it kind of loses its teeth a little bit i think for me at least when um you know all of the heroism is very much not street level you know well they do touch on that and i think that's part of the point like there's a whole uh whole episode like episode and a half of mark working with titan yeah but i i mean again like like mark's mark's attitude towards that he says um what is it he says oh i'm more of a big picture big picture hero and I Titan think... calls him out for being a suburban white kid. He's not. Let's. He's not white. Uh, to be clear, uh, he is very much um, half. I don't know. I don't even want to say, but he his mother is very much Asian. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, just to be a little bit pedantic there. Um, dad is, I guess, sort of white, but actually an alien. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his dad is pretty. Uh, um, I don't know if this. I don't know if this was in the show, but in the comics, all of the Vitrilliumites all have the mustache. Yes, <laughs> and true. I just want to say that this makes me think that Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force might be a Vitrilliumite because guess what? He's always dressed in white, got the same mustache. That's fair, but he definitely looks like a rundown one. Like 
He's given up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he he is Korean, by the way. Oh, okay. oh is he? Uh, they're both Korean. I know well, Stephen Yoon is Korean, but uh, think Margaret, Margaret he's Taylor. a biracial. He's uh, his mom is Korean, and his okay. dad is a Viltrumite, but his dad is basically white because it's voiced by J.K. Simmons, okay. who's a white guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the man who's gonna burn your house down. Uh, can we just can we just all acknowledge that J.K. Simmons is kind of a treasure? He is. No, yeah, absolutely. he's a great voice actor too. You could just put you could just put so many of his like so many of his like freakout scenes on top of other freakout scenes, and they all work. Yeah, I mean, you've seen. I I mean, I showed Abby this, but you've seen um like the uh, the lemons rant from Portal Two put over the that think Mark think scene. <laughs> is. Is is he fucking Cave Johnson? Yeah, he's Cave Johnson. Yeah, he is. He's Cave Johnson. I did not know that. Yeah, that is that is funny. I like that. He's also the cr- he's. Have you guys seen Whiplash? Yes. No. Well, that... no. Nope. But I know what you're talking about. No, that's the the like orchestra thing, right? That's the one where it's with uh, I think Matthew Teller is his name. Uh, with. Uh, J.K. Simmons is this the like super abusive band teacher? Yeah, he is. I've heard, but not. He is. He, that movie is amazing just for him. He fucking flips the fuck out in that movie, and it's awesome. I did not know that was him. Um, oh yeah. All right. Uh, final yeah. thoughts on Invincible, everybody. Yeah. Uh, as I was saying before, we got very much sidetracked. Um, I think like the whole thing about um oh god what the fuck was i saying um mark says to titan um like oh i'm a big picture superhero but the show itself is not focused on there's i mean other than like showing people dying horribly and those episodes plural um episode and a half with titan um there isn't really a lot about what's going on at the street level so i feel like you can't have that um i don't even want to say preaching because that feels a little bit too judgmental but i feel like you can't like say that and then not actually narrow your focus as the show goes on because it still stays very much like, oh, the horrible world affecting um, galactic monster from outer space that's going to destroy the entire universe or whatever the hell. Or, um, you know, like crazy uh, super-powered clones who are stealing evil technology and they're going to do evil things with it, blah, 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 blah. The clones fucked, for the record. What? The, the clones are amazing. Yeah, the oh, clones yeah, I are love great. Them. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm going to counter that with... Um, after that, it narrows down to people in his immediate life a lot. Like, because there's his uh, friend and his friend's boyfriend getting caught up. And then it does kind of go big picture, but it's big picture with his dad. And I definitely agree with you that I'd like to see more. But as the comic goes on past this and it's scheduled for two more seasons, 
I'm going to wait and see before making that judgment that it hasn't done enough. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying uh, to view it as a more full piece. Obviously, obviously there, there are, there's more coming, so I'm hoping that it's going to go in on that more. But, like, going from that those two episodes back to, like, um, you know, the dad who's going to destroy the entire world and murder all of the good superheroes, um, as opposed to, like, more of like what is actually going on like on the ground with with people like titan um it was a little kind of felt a little bit whiplashy but this is honestly like a very minor complaint yeah that they can rectify yeah yeah i definitely agree with that and i don't know if it's going to be rectified maybe i'll be absolutely coming around to your opinion after season two or three uh from what i know about the the continued story it doesn't they get into like even more bigger picture shit with like yeah. multiple universe garbage yeah it sounds like that's where yeah it's like the that's ending of the like first the ending of the first season like that's what made me think like um hmm, was because the ending of the first season is like oh here's all of these terrible threats and um it's all you know the the oh. Clancy Brown twins and um the the God what else fucking was there I honestly was not watching that Martians segment the Martians and the, Martians. the other Viltrumites being yeah. foreshadowed yeah Titan Titan's gonna be more so I'm hoping they go deeper with a uh, second round of Titan but we'll see yeah. Alright. Um, right. I know Nathan isn't going to let me talk about Watchmen, but I would talk about Watchmen here if I could. Yeah, I'm not, because we gotta talk about the, the, the drink. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's real fucking good. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Also, I would like to mention that this is also a uh, premium fermented malt beverage, as it says on the sticker, yes. so it's technically a beer. It's technically a beer, it doesn't but say it's, it's, it's really fun. It doesn't say it's, fermented online. It, it is says premium it, malt. It's alcoholic. It's fermented. Wait, what makes it technically a beer? Because it's a malt beverage. It, it's technically a beer, like um, White Claw is technically a beer. It's yeah, the, the same way I was talking about that before. I see. Okay. Um. Anyways, it's real fucking good. Um. It's you can drink a fucking shit ton of these. Um. It's oh, yeah. just loaded with fucking sugar. It's literally alcohol. It's it's literally alcoholic Mountain Dew USA. I mean, what more do I have to say? It's, it's, it. You, you get fucking iced. You get iced. Yeah, uh, I, um, I honestly don't know how much I can say about it because it is literally just a Jolly Rancher, um, but with alcohol in it. And uh, that's good. I like it. Uh, Mike, my big thing is that I really dislike the taste of beer. I'm just gonna say it outright. I do oh, not we, understand we why tell. people like the taste Wait, you, of beer. You, you don't like the taste of no. beer. No, that's a, a revelation here. Uh, so this is it's just tastes good, and from that, from my standards, that's uh, that makes it uh, makes um. I'm, how much have you had? I got a little bit too many Smirnoff ices <laughs> there. Maybe, huh, I might buddy? have had one or two before the podcast started. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there weren't any red ones. You drank all the red ones. You get iced. We Abby, didn't have any thoughts? red ones. We just had the... It's red, white, and blue, Mike. There were definitely okay. red ones in there, and you drank them. We what, had what... more red ones in the fridge. Okay, anyway. Cass. Anyways, anyways. Cass. It's fucking lemonade, and I am sloshed. 
so <laughs> already i don't know what to say uh yeah. all right next up is this is getting sloppy abby, abby. um it's lemonade and jolly ranchers and mountain dew well i was remembering specifically what i was interested in what you had to say because this is basically white claw but with a lot more sugar uh, and that's what you said that was your problem with White Claws, that you wanted it to have more sugar. Oh. This is honestly too much sugar. <laughs> what the fuck is your problem? I have a refined palate, thank you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Don't you like Foster's? Yeah, because Foster's is great. It's two dollars and it's a chode can. I will not be taking questions. I was just tr- <laughs> I was just trying to I was just trying to rile up Mike. Chode can. Uh-huh. I will say definitely big minus uh, points to Smirnoff for not being in a chode camp. Honestly, okay. I'm okay with that. Um, because the chode can did like get all over my fucking shirt when I tried to drink out of it. So, well, um, you know what? I'm sorry yeah, for your bad to drink a chode. So, on on my tier list, this once again goes into the not a beer tier. But within the not a beer tier list, this is like double S easy it's mountain dew <laughs> elliot no oh, sorry go last. you gotta go last sorry Cass. i'll put this in a tier um it's definitely going higher than white claw sorry a tier for the not a tier beer, beer list um uh i i think if we're on the regular beer tier list i'm gonna put it in a above white claw too yeah mike uh i would probably put this this in my opinion is about as good as uh angry orchard I definitely will say that I will have to be in, like, a mood for something really sugary or a mood the same way I would have to be, like, in the mood for uh, Angry Orchard in order for me to drink it. But it's, like, head and shoulders above any beer-flavored beer that we've had so far. Abby? Sorry, Um, A-tier. I'm bordering on us. Thank you for cutting me off, Mike. Um, I think it's going in A tier, um, because it is really good. It is really drinkable. I kind of want to cut it with White Claw and see what happens, but that's for another day. Mm. Uh, Elliot. Yeah, Elliot. Um, I don't remember what I gave Angry Orchard, but my tier list is a fucking joke anyways, let's be you honest. Put it, I, um, you, I think it was like F tier. It's real good. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, um, yeah, so then I'll give it a f tier for fucking good i was gonna say r for really fucking good but um i i have it's on the same level as angry orchard for me so i don't want to be confusing with my stupid bit um Mm. that i do well it sounds like it's an a um af uh white claw smearing off ice af uh um i said s S tier hopefully Hopefully, this episode works and the recording goes all well. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, and in case you are out there hearing this, um, oh, this, was, this was Mao as a mensch. <laughs> um, we hope that you learned something, even if it wasn't what you wanted to learn. And stay tuned. Not next week. Next week, we won't be doing an episode because the gang will all be together again in person. And uh, that's going to make recording an episode awkward. So next week's a break. After that, Maybe a 40. We'll see. And, uh, you know, there, there might be some live con- content. I feel like we should at least have a cast picture, you know? Uh, okay. I'm know. stopping I don't know. recording. Um.
Big oh, fucking titties. 